Want to join the show? Call one eight 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 say ESPN. That's eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Or hit us up on the Dr Pepper Twitter feed. I am Teron Davenport at T Davenport underscore NFL. He is Evan Mack at Evan T Mack. And we've got to keep this show moving. Heavy NFL talk, but I want to say this. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. And next up on the NFL docket, we're going to preview the Patriots at Vikings. And I, I tell you what. No better way to do that than bring in my guy. He, he's the GOAT of NFL Nation. He, he, he won't say that he is, but I'll say it for him. And that's my man, Mike Reese, ESPN NFL Nation, Patriots reporter. Mike, what's going on, man? Sharon, you're the GOAT. I love you, and happy <laughs> Thanksgiving. I just love that we're talking ball together and excited for the game tonight. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Happy Thanksgiving to you. I saw your your – your post there, you, you always uh, show you're checking in from, from your workstation. Always have the Sour Patch Kids there, man. That's just a, a habit. So I, I definitely observe that. <laughs> well, look, watermelon. Let's start. Watermelon is my favorite. Is that what it is? Okay. Hey, yeah. Whatever works yeah. for you, man. Give you that energy. You need that sugar. <laughs> That's it. That's it. The night games are tough to run, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man, and especially when you're traveling. You know, the sleep tends yes. to get a little uh, limited, but, you know, this is what we do, so we'll make it work. So I, I want to start with, with just where the Patriots are right now. Uh, at 6-4, and four, they're right there in the thick of the playoff hunt. Uh, what do you make of, of where they are right now and, and what their future could possibly look like? Yeah, to me, Teron, the story tonight is going to be if playing a defense that is vulnerable uh, opens things up for their offense. You know, the last three games they've played, two against the Jets, one against the Colts, and it's been tough sledding for them offensively with Mac Jones, the quarterback. And part of me looks at that and says, well, he played two of the best defenses in the league. And part of me says, well, but maybe they have some issues that, um, they still haven't solved, you know, this late in the season. So I think tonight against the banged-up Vikings defense, we're going to learn a lot more about the, the potential of the Patriots offense one way or the other, Teron. That's really interesting. I know one of the areas where they've struggled is red zone efficiency. And it's just crazy to me because having seen John o. Smith here in, in, in Nashville, you know, playing for the Titans, he was always a red zone monster, but it's obviously not working up there. Uh, what is going on with with the red zone efficiency? How can they get that better? Well, start with this. They're 31st out of 32 teams in touchdown percentage in the red zone. And so one one thought on how it can get better is play the team that ranks 32nd defensively in the red zone, <laughs> which is the Minnesota Vikings. So same point, Teron. Like, if it doesn't get better in the red zone tonight, like, maybe it's just not going to happen for the Patriots. Mac Jones talked about uh, you know, flipping the switch. He said it's something he learned back when he was taking a recruiting visit to the University of Kentucky. They talked about flipping the switch when you get to that point in the field, have a heightened uh, awareness and urgency. Um, they just too many penalties, too many negative plays. And if they can clean that up, you know, that's what they're going to have to do to get this turned in the other direction. And, and what about the passing game? Because obviously there's there's plenty of weapons. You know they they invested in bringing Hunter Henry. You got Jonu Smith. Uh, I mean I'm curious 
You went out and got Devontae Parker. What is going on? How can they get better passing the football as well? Well, that that's going to start up front for them. They're banged up on the offensive line tonight. And uh, even when they weren't banged up, Teron, you know, part of it, Mac just doesn't have any time to throw. And, you know, my question has been how much of that's a result of the, the really good defensive fronts that they've played the last couple of weeks and how much of that is a result of just the Patriots themselves. So how they sort of configure that offensive line tonight uh, with their starting center, David Andrews, questionable with a thigh injury um, and, and what they do up front. Can they give Mac more time? Mac gets more time. I think we'll see better results. And then if you flip it to the other side of the ball, you look the last time the Vikings played early in the game, Michael Parsons got to Kirk Cousins, made him fumble. And that kind of set the tone for the rest of the day. And obviously the Patriots, their third highest rate as far as uh, getting pressure on quarterbacks, 34% of opponents dropbacks. How do you think that could correlate to a really critical Patriots win tonight on the road against the Vikings? Yeah, it starts with Matthew Judon with those 13 sacks. He's been a monster this year, and he's motivated Tehran to not have the same late-season slide that he had last year when he didn't have a sack in each of his last five games. Uh, he had been reaching out to veteran players uh, in the offseason, asking them, hey, what do you do to stay fresh, you know, late in the season? So he's been taking notes. He's playing a little bit less. He's at 75% playing time at this point uh, this year. Last year was about 85%. So he's got a little bit more in the tank. I would say it starts with Judon going up against the Vikings offensive line without its starting left tackle and Christian Darrisaw, probably their best player up front. So win at the line of scrimmage, starting with Judon, would be the formula for the Patriots. And then you look at the success, and it's always funny, you know, when you kind of look at the numbers within the numbers. This team has had a lot of success against Kirk Cousins. You know, um, what is it that you think has has led to that? Because you you look, you know, he's only averaging five yards per attempt in the times that that he's – faced the, the Patriots, and that's the lowest that he's had against any team that he's played multiple times. So, TD, to me, it's like the Bill Belichick philosophy. He's going to look at that team, whatever Kirk Cousins has around him, and he's going to say, I'm going to try to take away the thing you want to do and make you play left-handed, for lack of a better term. And so I think you know each situation is going to be different when he's faced him in the past. I look at tonight and say, Bill Belichick's been in the lab the last three days saying, how the heck are we going to try to slow down Justin Jefferson? And those 70, um, you know, two catches, fourth in the league, 1,000-plus yards, second in the league. So I think, to me, it starts there, devoting a lot of attention to him. And then there's Dalvin Cook you got to deal with, and then T.J. Hawkinson. So they're going to be vulnerable somewhere, but it's taken away what Kirk wants to do first, and seeing how he responds to that. I think that would be the Bill Belichick approach whenever he's faced Kirk Cousins. And then last one before we get you out of here, <laughs> Kevin O'Connell. Uh, this is a guy that has, has uh, played for uh, Belichick before. This is going to be an interesting matchup. How, how do you see you know just everything playing out? Because we know how people who have played for Belichick have had their share of struggles, you know, when they're going against him in a, a coaching matchup. Kevin O'Connell, 2008, third-round choice out of San Diego State. I remember him coming in, TD, back that year. Tom Brady uh, tore his ACL that season. He was the 
back up um, to Matt Castle, and then he didn't make it much longer. Uh, at the next year, got let go at the end of uh, preseason training camp. Um, you know, when I watch the Vikings, I see a lot of similarities to what Kevin O'Connell uh, learned with the Patriots. Good situational football team. Uh, they had that seven-game win streak in which they were all one-possession games, plus seven in the turnover differential. So they, they usually don't beat themselves. you got to be, go beat them. Um, and I think he's pretty good with that opening script. And so I think the chess match tonight, like I think that's going to be intriguing, especially because Kevin O'Connell, I know it's been a long time ago when you think of 2008 into 2009, but he's got a pretty good beat on, on the way Bill Belichick approaches things and the way he's communicating to his own team about Kevin O'Connell's team. It's going to be a really interesting matchup. Mike, I appreciate you coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just been blessed by the GOAT, Mike Reese, ESPN, NFL Nation, Patriots reporter. Enjoy the game. I look forward to your content coming out of it. TD, appreciate you. And to all the listeners, happy Thanksgiving. It's always great talking shot with my guy, Mike Reese, Evan. He, he's one of the best, man, I have to say. I really enjoyed uh, getting him on. We got a great preview right there. Uh, one thing I want to do real quick, I want to shout out Gail M. Oh, we got to do that. We got to do that. At Gem Knitter on Twitter. Hey, look, give you a bar right there, too. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, all jokes aside, man, like she tuned in, and she definitely has some some great things to say about us. So we already shacking Kobe, and I appreciate you, Gail, for, Thank you for so shouting much. that out. She liked our Daniel Jones back and forth. Yeah. And, speak, and speaking of that, will Daniel Jones be back with the Giants next year? We'll answer that and more when we go through Good Take, Hot Take next. This is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. What better way to get this show going than to have – the namesake of the show, Jason Fitz. On. We're going to talk a little college football here with my guy, Jason Fitz. Jason, what's going on, man? Man, happy Thanksgiving, y'all. How's everybody doing? Yeah. Hey, we are awesome, man. We are awesome. You know, it's, it's really cool to sit in your chair and, and try to do the things that, that you do, man. Well, look, unless you're, unless you're absolutely failing at reading, you're not doing anything that I do. Because we all know that the only thing I do is bring absolute lack of professionalism and the inability to read the words that come or, that's supposed to be coming out of my mouth. It's part of my job. Well, well, listen, man, we all have a role we have to play. So I appreciate that role that you play, man. Let's, let's get it started, man. Talk a little college football. And I think the best spot to start is, is the, the big game, right, Ohio State-Michigan. Which team? I don't think either one of them could afford a loss. But if you had to pick one, which team do you think could afford a loss in this game on Saturday and still be in the mix for the college football playoffs? Ohio State. And it's not even close. Like Michigan, at this point, the strength of schedule, the committee has spoken. The strength of schedule for Michigan just isn't good enough. And if the strength of schedule isn't good enough, you're not going to get any benefit of the doubt. So what, what you have here is this becomes the one game. And you got to remember that, you know, when you're the committee and you're looking at the body of work every single week with a refresh, you can sort of excuse what you haven't seen based on what you're going to see. So what you'll see is Michigan taking on Ohio State. Now, with, with less than 100% of Blake Corum, I don't know how they win this football game, but I think they have to win this football game to stay in the college football playoff conversation. If they beat Ohio State on a last second, oh, my God, I can't believe that just happened type ending, then I think you could see at least Ohio State getting some Benefit of the doubt, but like I just, it's hard to find a path unless there's total chaos everywhere else for whoever loses this game. And and 
frankly, you know, I just wonder, as great as this season has been for Michigan, if you're Michigan and you go and just get absolutely railroaded by Ohio State, which is what I think is going to happen, then how happy are you with the way this season went? I mean, there are higher expectations, and the expectation is not to just be a good team in the Big Ten. It's to be in the college football playoff conversation. So I think there's a lot of pressure on Michigan in this matchup. Mr. Fitz, sir, LSU is now ranked number five. Brian Kelly, Kelly doing an unbelievable job with this team, and it's great to see them back in the mix. Do you think they control their own destiny to get into the college football playoffs? Yeah. If they win the SEC, look, it's wild to me. I can't believe I'm saying this, but every single expert I've talked to has said the same thing. If they win the SEC, they are going to the college football playoff. Now, how do you beat Georgia? The hardest part about this is that Georgia is just absolutely stacked on the defensive side of the ball. And they have a quarterback in Stetson Bennett that isn't getting as much love as they should. So LSU's got a lot against them going into the SEC championship game. But you're right, Brian Kelly's somebody we gave up on two weeks mm. in. And all we have seen is that, frankly, it just took a little bit for them to find their rhythm yeah. and for them to figure out how to be the offense that they want to be, how to be the team that they want to be. And he's got them playing better than they should be. So I think Sneaky, this has been a really good coaching job by somebody that we want to turn into a caricature, but his work on the field deserves more than that. Mm. Let's say USC wins their next games and Clemson does the same thing. Make a case for each of them. Because I personally think USC should go in if they win their, their next two games. I mean, starting with this Notre Dame matchup. Yeah, I mean, my God, if Notre Dame wins out, then Notre Dame will have three straight wins over ranked opponents. The, the Pac-12 has been valued by the committee, six members of, of the Pac-12 in the top 25. I, mean, I, I think it's pretty simple. If USC wins out, are there questions about USC's defense? Yeah, but if we're putting true serum in everybody's veins, there's questions about every single team right now. So in a year that hasn't seen the dominance that we're used to, how can you keep out one of the best coaches, one of the best quarterbacks? Caleb Williams, man, I watched Caleb Williams play against UCLA, and I kept thinking, my God, if this kid was draft eligible this year, I think he'd be the first pick. Like, he's, he's playing wow. incredibly well. So, you know, I'm, I'm all in on USC being a playoff team. Clemson needs a little bit more love because the ACC isn't getting any respect. So yep. that's just facts, right? Like, and it's kind of crazy because if you're Clemson and you're turning around, you're saying, well, look, maybe DJ Uyunglele isn't who we thought he would be, but you're still winning a bunch of football games in a Power 5 conference. And, you know, you're, you're looking at a conference that includes Drake May, who's a Heisman candidate, like, we just don't like to give the ACC a lot of love. So I think their their path is much harder. But USC wins, I think there is. Kicking it with Jason Fitz, host of Spain and Fitz. Um, and shout out to you hitting uh, my man's name. It's very difficult to, to pronounce. And you did that with very, very smooth, sir. I appreciate you for doing that. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, listen. but on a, on a somber note, the seven MSU players that were charged in that scuffle that happened in the tunnel at the big house, like, can, we, can we talk about, in your opinion, like how much damage that incident due to the program and, and, and the young men involved? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things here. Number one, Michigan's got to look at their process to figure out how to, to prevent this from ever happening. They have an obligation for safety. Now that we've said that, mm. let's talk about the Michigan State portion of this, which is, you got to be better and you've got to demand yeah. better. I think, you know, the fact that all seven kids have been suspended, but they haven't actually been removed from the team yet. So we'll see what that means for their scholarship futures while the investigation plays out. This is a moment. This is an opportunity for Mel Tucker to stand up and say, Hey, here's who we are, you mm -hmm. know, and, and here's the standard. And one thing that my buddy, Mike Golub Jr. always says 
It was preached in his playing life that still to this day is something he lives by is the standard is the standard. And if the standard is the standard in a world where even if, you know, we're looking at the Jets, even if Zach Wilson isn't the problem, he's part of the problem. And if you're a coach that wants to be taken seriously, you have to bench him because you have to hold every single player in that locker room to the same standard. What standard are you holding everybody to in that process if you ever let them put that helmet on again? There has to be a look. I don't care if it hurts our team short term, long term. I am going to be a coach that stands for a certain set of uh, a certain set of standards on how everybody's going to act and how everybody will carry themselves when you wear that emblem on your chest. And look, I am loud about this with coaches and players. I think you have an obligation to understand that you are the sales pitch for your university, for the entire country, right or wrong, nothing changes it. So when coaches act a fool, they have to be punished loudly because they are state paid mm. educators that are acting like idiots for their college. But conversely, when players do something like that in a game, wearing those jerseys with those helmets on after a game, it doesn't matter when they are representing the school and they act that way, the school has to stand up and say, even if it costs us football games, we're going to make a statement here. And young men have the opportunity for second chances. I don't think it can be at Michigan State. I think Michigan State has to say, look, you got to find that second chance somewhere else. Yeah, I, I thought it was crazy that some people they, they blamed it on the tunnel setup, but I mean it's it's only been that way for forever and for didn't years, have, yeah. <laughs> have these other incidents. So I, that just was crazy to me. But yeah, hey, look, and, and I should like you're so right, and I want to clarify. Like I don't think any of this is Michigan's fault. I do think Michigan now has to look at it and say, man, we've had two incidents this year, which is stupid, but let's fix this policy so that it doesn't happen anymore. You know, like I think both yeah. things can be true, but but man, that. A kid going in for treatment that may be injured should never have to worry about his safety in a stadium. Yeah, mm. absolutely, absolutely. Well, before we get you out of here, man, I got to give you a chance, man. Uh-oh. Talk on your guys, man. We, now, <laughs> earlier we talked about Derek Carr, and I, I sent him to uh, – where did I send him? I sent him he to shipped, the Saints. He shipped him off, Mr. Yeah, I, I, I shipped him off to the Saints, and, and I, I know that that wouldn't uh, be something that you would like. But, man, like, what, what's up with you guys, man? Is there hope for your yeah. Raiders? Uh, no, not, not much, but I will say this, like, here's the weirdest part of it. Cause I don't think you're wrong. If things go continue to go off the rails, Derek Carr will be somewhere else. I think he's going to win a lot of football games wherever he goes. If he chooses yeah. to go there, right. he does have a no trade clause in his contract. But I think the thing we have to remember, and a buddy of mine, Steve Corcoran, that right, used to write and cover the Raiders told me a long time. Cork said, look, look at your favorite team and ask yourself, how many of these guys that are starting on my favorite team would be starters on a playoff caliber football team? And if you look at the defense for the Raiders, the answer to that is Max Crosby. Nobody else. Maybe Nate Hobbs, when he's healthy, could possibly be a starter on a high-level football team somewhere else, but nobody else. This team, if they go out and they decide they're going to get rid of Carr, they're going to draft a quarterback with the fifth overall pick. If they're going to draft a quarterback in that situation, yeah, that quarterback is going to get to throw to Devontae and maybe hand off to Josh Jacobs and have Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. We can make all that special. But at the end of the day, there are going to be three and need to be at least three new starters on the offensive line. And I think 10 new starters on the defense. You don't fix that with any one man, any one human being. So if I'm the Raiders, I look at my draft board and I take best player available. And if that's not a quarterback, cool. I'll just keep, I'll just keep car while I keep rebuilding right. so that I can actually have something sustainable. Cause guess what? Will Levis is not going to be Patrick Mahomes breaking news. So getting out there and reaching for a quarterback is the stupidest thing any organization can do. Well, there you have it. That's Jason Fitz on his own show, Spain and Fitz. Man, yeah, we awesome. appreciate you coming on and giving us some time. I appreciate you guys holding down the fort on this special day, man. I'm thankful for you all. Thanks for hanging out. TD, be well, my friend.
All right, you too, my brother. Take care. So we're going to go from one team who may be looking for their quarterback of the future to a team that I think may have found their QB of the future, and that's Justin Fields and the Bears. But how careful do they need to be with him? We'll discuss that next. This is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. One of the guys I think we need to talk about is Justin Fields and just how the Bears should handle his situation should they shut him down? Should they let him rock out? I, I, it's it's a tough call. I personally wouldn't shut him down, but uh, you, you know he has the the separated left shoulder. That is something that he said to us. He landed on the left shoulder after he was tackled by Atlanta Falcons cornerback D. Alford on a first down run late in their twenty seven to twenty four loss to Atlanta and uh, Chicago. They keep saying this day to day. They're leaving the door open for him to play on Sunday. What say you, Mr. Evan Mack? You know, it's interesting to me. I always get a little a testy when it comes to this because every time a quarterback got a little bit of melanin in his skin, they always want him to run around, Teron. You know what I mean? They're always quick to have the brothers running around, and, and I get a little nervous because the brothers tend to get hurt. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of running around to do it. They did it to RG3. Uh, Cam Newton started getting hit. Lamar Jackson got nicked up a little bit. And I really need him to stay healthy because he's about to get $554 zillion. And the thing with <laughs> Justin, <laughs> Justin Fields is that that's what I'm always worried about. I, I don't mind quarterbacks using their athleticism. I don't mind the brothers using their athleticism. But where, where I start getting tricky is when you're the only hope a team has to win and you're putting your body on the line and you have a promising career that I'm concerned with. So I know you and your family's concerned with it. So, Mr. Fields, I don't say shut it down, but, brother, please stop tucking and running all the time. Please. You know what? I don't have as much of a problem with him tucking and running. He runs a lot, though, Mr. Dan. And and it's okay. I don't mind you running a lot, but you have to know how to avoid hits. I agree with that. You have to to understand when the journey's over. You look at Kyler Murray, that little – man, he he runs like he stole something from somebody. Like, Like, that's how he runs. But he always manages to step out of bounds before he takes a hit. Even Lamar, you don't really – He's well, learning. Lam- he's learning now, the, though. Lamar, Lamar just going – he's just going to shake you out your shoes. You know what I mean? And then he'll step out of bounds. You're not going to get free hits on him. And then I, I think that's something – like Justin Fields, he's, he's a not, collision runner, man. Exactly. And that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. He's a collision runner. You see them – I'll be frank with you. He reminds me not of another black quarterback. He reminds me of Josh Allen with how he runs. Josh you know, Allen runs hard, man. That thirst for contact. But Josh Don't. Allen is 245 pounds. And you so does I mean? Cam, and he got popped when he hit that line. Well, he hit that line of scrimmage, I think it was in the Yeah, Atlanta? I mean, you're running QB power. Like, he is your running back. You know <sighs> what I mean? You can't, you can't do that. And I, I think the Bears, they have to be, be careful with how they're, they're using him. And, you know, I'm not the only one that thinks that. Keyshawn Johnson on, on – uh, Keyshawn J. Will and Max, he has some things to say about Justin Fields as well. You can't go to the well too many times, though, Jay. That's the problem. You, you keep going to the well over and over and over. You A guy gets banged up. That shoulder gets banged up. It gets banged up two weeks from now. It gets banged up three weeks from now. Right. Now, all of a sudden, the injuries start to pile up, pile up, pile up, and then he becomes RG3 again, or he becomes Cam Newton, where you just beat him to a point where he doesn't even get to his 10th year. Yeah, yeah see, I know this was – did we go back in time? He said exactly what I said, but I, it sounded like I stole it from him. But he stole it from me, Teron. But he's absolutely hey. right, though. He's right, Great brother. minds think alike. It's true. Because that's what – because we, we're thinking like that. Because just because we – as as a as a fan of football, Teron, like, you know, and a fan of a great player, you want to see a great player play a long time. 
Right. Yeah, I want to be blessed with seeing Justin Fields Absolutely. play a long time. But Absolutely. not only that, play with some some more talent around. Yes. Him. I mean, yes. You, you know, they made a move. Uh, they went out and acquired the receiver from from the Steelers. You know, I, I thought that was a good move, and it adds some to to them. But you still chase Claypool. That is. You, yeah. You know, yeah. He's balling. You, you have to get him more weapons, and I think that's the important part of it. And you got to let him play. You know, the more the more reps he gets, the better. And that's why I don't think that they should shut him down. But evidently, no. Chris Canny, former NFL defensive line, lineman on Canny and Carlin, he, he thinks differently. We know what we need to know. He can throw the ball downfield with accuracy. He, he's good in terms of being able to fit it into tight windows, although his accuracy can be a little bit better. He's learning how to sit in the pocket and buy time with his eyes downfield. There's nothing that the Chicago Bears are going to learn in the final third of the season that they don't already know. So if you're them, put Justin Fields in bubble wrap. Look forward to the 2023 offseason. We have the third overall pick and $100 million in cap space. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't shut him down per se yeah. just because the, the young man's still learning. He is. He's still growing in the offense, and he's still learning about his abilities and, and getting the speed of the game to run. You know what I mean? So I, don't, I think shutting him down is a little hasty. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely wouldn't shut him down for the rest of, of the season. Nah, no, no, no. This game possibly, yeah, but definitely not the rest of the season because you want him to continue to bank those reps that correct those game reps that that are, are just critical for him to get in his development. So I, I definitely uh, agree with you there. I, I'm not with uh, Chris Canning on that one. I, I just I want to see this guy continue to play, but you know you look at possibly shutting him down for this one. Uh, this Jets team, their defense is no joke. No. But I, I think you have to factor that in. But, you know, I would like to know how Justin Fields himself feels about playing with the injury. Let's hear from him about the shoulder. Just some movements that I do with my arm. You know, it hurts it a good bit. So, um, like I said, just trying to, you know, work through those motions and kind of get my arm used to moving um, in those particular particular motions that, you know, hurt it. So, again, just, you know, seeing how my body feels, listening to my body, you know, making sure I'm not, you know, forcing anything and stuff like that. And, you know, just um, just, just seeing how it goes. Do you feel today like you could play through this? Uh, today, probably not. But, you know, good thing we don't play today. We play in, what, um, four days. So, we'll see how it feels in four days. Yeah, treatment, I guess, and, and a little more rest will, will help. But uh, fortunately, it's the the left shoulder. It's not his throwing shoulder. That's good. That's one good thing. But but even still, you know, you you, you get you get hit in the pocket because injuries happen in the pocket. We talk about on the move. You can still get hit in the pocket yeah, and, get and you land right on that shoulder. Thanks. So that is something that could happen. I, I definitely think that uh, you know he needs to keep playing. But uh, again, this is a week you might you might consider sitting him out. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it, the defense, the timing. Um, the 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 lack of rest, all all those things, brother. Um, uh, and New England just intercepted uh, Kirk Cousins, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, it's cold in in December. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> that happens a lot. So, just, just <laughs> just hey, look, man. That, he, hey, Kirk Cousins, he got that double agent in him, man. And you I know, say he, before he, I see, it was right. Pressure up the middle, man. It happened. I'm telling you, the yeah. he pressured him up the middle. But to his credit, that's something most quarterbacks, when they get that it's, pressure up the middle. You, you it's know. true, though. I'm not – yeah, I'm not like I'm breaking news. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to get that pressure up the middle. But, man, he folds when he put that pressure up the middle. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, you saw what happened in the Cowboys game. He folded with that. You, you know, uh, Micah Parsons hit him early, and that just that set the tone for the Love game, and, and things were just a, a lot different. We'll definitely keep you updated on the uh, Vikings and Patriots game as that continues to roll out. And one of the games earlier was uh, not a good one, and that was the, the Giants and Cowboys. The Giants have now lost three out of the last four games. I remember way back when, they started 1-0, and and everybody was like, well, I was like, they, they put the beat down on the Titans. And then they had an even better record. But now that they're three, three of the last four games they've lost, are they entering dangerous territory? We'll ask Jordan Ratnan when he joins us next. This is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast.